This is Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Your 803 tee time every Sunday morning right here on ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf is brought to you by Gearheads of Nicholasville. Edwin Watts Golf, Truly Nolan and Critter Control, French Lick Resort Casino, and Lexington Parks and Recreation. Also sponsored by Commonwealth Credit Union, Georgetown Advantage Air, and Maple Leaf Gutter and Siding Systems. Let's join your host, Matthew Lawrence, for Backspin Golf. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know, Sean. I don't know. Welcome to Backspin Golf here at uh, the Square Country Club, as always, on Main Street. I hope you're having a really great, safe holiday weekend. Um, as always, great show coming up. Great show. Uh, I hope I'm not interrupting any of you from watching <laughs> that thing on YouTube, that golf thing on YouTube, that exhibition crap. Anyway, uh, I'm really excited, as I always am, but this week, uh, starting us off will be somebody I just have the most respect and admiration for, one of our very, very best writers in the golf world. Bob Harrig will join me, and then somebody that I love as if he's a family member. Oh, wait, he is. My brother Mitchie will join me. That was good, Sean, wasn't it? Yeah, whatever. And uh, then finally, my pal Dan Hauser uh, for our funny takes on all this stuff going on in the world of golf. Can't wait. Here we go. We're going to start with my friend, Bob Harrig. As I've said before on this show, uh, I'm incredibly lucky to, to know and be able to ha- talk with people that I respect immensely. And there are very few I respect more than Bob Harrick. Uh, he is the golf writer for SI.com. He also wrote one of the great golf books, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry, which has taken on a whole other meaning <laughs> now. But uh, it's always just incredible, especially during this time when so much is going on, to be able to talk to my friend Bob Harrick. Hi, Bob. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I'm good. And thanks, as always, for joining me for a few minutes because I need help. Yeah. I need help, Bob. I, <laughs> I really do. Not just about this, by the way, but, you know, we'll limit it to to golf talk. Um, Just this week, when you thought, okay, Live Golf has an event somewhere in the state of Massachusetts this weekend. They say Boston, but it's not. Um, All of a sudden, we get, we knew uh, there were going to be defections, seven, six. We heard different people, everything. And then we hear about uh, Cam Smith, which all of us knew, and Harold Varner, who has become another flashpoint for this story. And uh, on your great Twitter feed, at Bob Harrig, H-A-R-I-G, Harold Varner talked about what has happened just since he declared for this. Can you talk a little about uh, Harold Varner leaving the PGA Tour. He almost seems to me like the perfect example of a flashpoint between the PGA Tour fans and Live Golf. Yeah, I mean, Harold is a guy who seems like he is very, um, you know, in tune with the negativity mm-hmm. and it bothers him. Yeah. You know, like he gets it. He understands that there's going to be some blowback on this. I mean, I think the other guys do too. Yeah, but, but it doesn't you know, seem like he, they care. Yeah, well, certainly if they do, they're not showing it. They're not it. showing it, right. Yeah, you know, whereas he's wearing it on his sleeve a little bit more. And, um, you know, I mean, look, that that was always going to be the, the thing with this. That was, that's, you know, it, it'd be, if, if there wasn't, if there wasn't the controversy behind it, we wouldn't have this debate, 
Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the, the backing, the Saudi backing, um, you know, makes it, makes it more so it, look, it would be, it, it would be controversial if Jeff Bezos was putting up the money. Right. You know, right. because, because there's a, because there's a, uh, you know, a, a disruptor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the tour has been in this form for 53 years. Yeah. And this is what most of us know. And so it's going to rub some people the wrong way. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you know, uh, uh, you've, and then, well, then obviously throw in, throw in the backing and it makes it even more controversial. It's just a non-starter for many people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, you know, and, and, you know, the ones, when I try to take the live angle or at least show their side, mm-hmm. I always, you know, try to preface it by saying, if you have an issue with the funds, Funding, you're never going to ever, you're not going to care about any argument that they have. Right. You know, it's, right. A, non, it's a non-starter, and I get it. It's fine. You yeah. know, it's how it is. I mean, it's a, they, they, they have to know that it's a controversial part of this that, that in many people's eyes they're never going to get past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I've, I've written things just on the golf level. And then people will, you know, re- come back with the Saudi angle, and I'm like, I get all that, but if you're just looking at this from a golf angle, here's why here's it happened. Why. Right, right. You know, and uh, and Harold, you know, look, he, he had been offered a lot of money before, going way back to February. It seemed like he was on board. He changed his mind. He was sticking with the tour. And then all of a sudden now he's not. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, for the PJ Tour, I think it's unfortunate because he's a great guy. And and they they need guys like him. Uh, I I think obviously having minorities in golf, you know, people to look up to. We don't have enough of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Harold was kind of carrying the banner for that. And now you know he's gone. Yeah. Uh, whether that'll matter on live is to, is to be seen. Is remains to be seen. But um, you know, I will give him this credit. He he said the money's unbelievable, and it's going to change my life, and it's going to change my foundation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I think I would prefer most of us would prefer if the guys would just make it that right. You know, don't don't go down the other roads that have proven to be not really all that viable. The idea of playing less, well, you're really not going to play less. <laughs> um, you know, growing yeah. the game. I mean, growing the game is a nebulous term in golf anyway. You know, I yeah. mean, growing the game happens in far other ways besides professional golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I think those talking points were unfortunate because they've been easy to seize on now. And, uh, you know, look, we all know that these, these guaranteed contracts are huge and, uh, you know, yeah, fine. Go, yep. go ahead. Yeah. I, my, you know, my feeling has never changed about this from the time it was announced and I'm leaving the Saudi part out of it because obviously I'm dead against that too, but I try to stick to the golf part of it cause I have a golf show, <laughs> but, um, I don't have a problem with guys leaving because I don't think it's all the stuff about growing the game and, you know, TV. I think the PGA Tour has other problems in terms of retaining fans other than this that should have been addressed a long time ago. Um, But I don't care if Cam Smith, I enjoyed watching him play, obviously. I feel the same way about Joaquin Neiman. You know, I really enjoyed watching him play. I don't care if they're playing live because I'm not going to watch a second of it. And for me, it all comes down to, not surprisingly, what Gary Player said. I saw it today. Came out with a very strong statement about it. It has to do with these are not golf tournaments. I don't care what you say. It's 54 holes, no cut. Everybody's been paid up front to some extent. It's not a golf tournament. Uh, you know, shotgun starts. So I'm not going to watch a second of it, period. And those are, you know, perfectly legitimate arguments. Uh, you know, uh, it's, 
You know, there's a lot of conjecture about that. I mean, the PGA Tour goes out of its way to play 72 holes every week. Right. It does not shorten its tournaments to 54 holes unless absolutely necessary. It'll go to Tuesday mm-hmm. to finish the tournament <laughs> right. in 72 holes. Now, look, you know, I've, I've tried to be Switzerland in this whole thing, and, and I, you know, I which, try to make the point. Which you, know, you do an incredible job of, by the way, Bob. <laughs> You know, I mean, I try to make the argument the other side where I could look at this. Yeah. And I say, okay, just take take how they've started, okay? Let's say some of these ideas have been incorporated into the PGA Tour. What if the Tour had decided, and taken their idea and said, we're going to do eight 54-hole events with 48 players with teams, um, and we're just going to play, say, one one a month or, you know, one every other month, and mm-hmm. then we'll have two after the Tour Championship. And if, if they would have allowed it, if they could have done it under their banner, I think we'd be accepting of it. Mm. I mean, it, it's not the end of the world to play 54-hole events. I, it, you know, if you just say that. Right. You know, look, the LPGA does it. You know, they have, they have 54 whole events that are scheduled. Mm-hmm. It's part of their tour. You know, maybe it was, maybe it would have been six for their tour. It just, right, right. just to give something different. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I absolutely think that the reason something like this has legs is because, well, you know, there's the money aspects of it. Forget the upfront money. I've written this many times. I, I, I gave Phil some props because his ideas that he's been talking about some of them are actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, getting more money to the stars, right. shortening the season, more elite events, all that stuff. But, I mean, the tour is guilty of just too much of the same. And especially when you're going to do it over 47 weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, starting in 2024, it's going to be January to August. Right. And then the fall is just going to be more about the guys trying to keep their card or improve their position, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Yes. That doesn't have to be the commercial aspect of golf. The commercial aspect, the one that the fans tune into is, is January is going to be January to August. Right. Which I love. And if you exactly, that's a smart move on their part. It's their, their main season has never been that short. We're going to be focused on it more. The tournaments are going to matter more. It's going to be a lot harder to get into the playoffs. Um, we're going to have the top players competing together more. You know, there's 34 weeks during that stretch, and the tour is requiring that get these top guys play in 17 of the events, 20 minimum. Mm-hmm. So you are, in theory, you're going to see Roy McIlroy in, in more than 50% of the PGA Tour events, and 17 of them will be with the other top guys. Right which is right. half of the events. Yeah. We've never come close to that. Right. It's, and and that's that's good. Mm-hmm. But there's still other things. You know, we look, there's we have one match play event. I get they don't want to do a lot more of that. To me, to throw in a couple of 54 hole events to just change it up. In other words, you know, you got to you, you can't ease into it. You got to really be on on the ball starting mm-hmm. on on the first day. Uh, maybe there's some markets that would support 54 holes better than 72. Yeah, you could look at it that way. Yeah. Um, sure, you could. I, I'm not suggesting that you that you, you you have to play 54 holes without a cut. You could have a cut after 36. Right. Of Although I, I think the I think the idea of it is is to get these guys the guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could still have the cut after 36 and pay them something for showing up. Right. I mean, there, I, I I just get I just think there's. The, the reason that Live exists is because the tour was slow to adapt to some things that they could have probably put in place and maybe would have thwarted it in mm-hmm. the beginning. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on the FedEx Cup in the couple minutes we have left. <clears throat> I have never been a fan of that. I get that you want to reward, say, Scotty Scheffler for having a great year and the other guys. I've never been a fan of starting, you know, 10 under par, 8 under par, 7 under par, all that, even though it it worked out okay because of what Rory did on Sunday and what happened to Scotty Scheffler. But what, what are your feelings about the future of the FedEx Cup? 
Yeah, listen, I think the FedEx Cup is here to stay. The right. players have embraced it. There was a lot of skepticism about it in 2007 when it started. Um, I remember the days before that when the Tour Championship was played in November mm-hmm. and Tiger and Phil wouldn't even go. Right. The last couple <laughs> right. they didn't even play. It just... It was it was basically eight weeks after ten weeks after the PGA Championship in August, and there was just a string of tournaments being played, going up against football in September and mm-hmm. October. Right. With virtually no meaning other than to try to keep your card or to qualify to be the top thirty in money to get to the Tour Championship. Right. And even that wasn't enough of a lure to get guys playing. To be there, so this is way better. Yeah, these guys all play it now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in the early days, sometimes they'd skip events when there was four. Now there's three. They all play. Um, you know, you pretty much had the cream of the crop in Atlanta. Right. Um, all that part is good. I agree. The format, I, they just have a hard time getting it right. And frankly, I think the problem is is to call, the word playoffs is wrong. Mm-hmm. If you took if you call it the FedEx Cup. Uh, series mm. or you know the FedEx Cup something other mm-hmm. than playoffs because playoff it goes against our our common sense in the playoffs and any other playoffs the top team can get knocked out in the first round right and in this you, know, you don't even have to play those first two events basically if you're if you're in the top fifteen you're pretty much assured of getting yeah. to Atlanta right. So now, of course, you're going to make it a lot harder on yourself to win the Tour Championship if if you do that, because as we've seen, it's hard to come from way back. I mean, Roy Roy ended up six back. He's the only player in the four years who's come from behind to win the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm. He's done it twice. Right. The other two times, it was the the guy going in won, mm-hmm. and then he didn't shoot the best score. So they're they're clearly wanting to give an advantage. And to and to your point. You know, I understand that, but that's not really playoffs. Right. You know, playoffs is the advantage is slight. You get a home field advantage or maybe you get a buy, you know, I mean, I just think that they need to come up with a way where the tournament winner wins the FedEx cup. And I know that goes against some people's, um, you know, thoughts because, you know, they, they feel like, you know, that the top guy isn't getting rewarded, but yet I, I point to last year. Uh, Colin Morikawa entered the playoffs number one. He missed the cut at the at the uh, Northern Trust. Mm-hmm. Now there's not going to be a cut anymore, right? Because next year it's only seventy. But he missed the cut. He had a poor BMW Championship. wasn't great at the Tour Championship. fell from first to twenty fourth. So how is that any different than if you just let everybody who's in that tournament have a go at it? Right. I just think it would be far more compelling. Absolutely, getting getting into the tour championship would be so huge Mm -hmm. because if you had some momentum and just barely made it in, now you've got a chance to win the whole thing. Right? It's just like a baseball team making it in on on the final day to to get the last wild card spot. Right, and then going to the World Series. Sure, and it's happened, and we've had wild card teams win the World Series. Right. You know, I mean, you know, in the in the NFL, the wild card team wins the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I just I wish they would tweak it a little bit because they've left themselves open for criticism. But like what I always try to tell people as far as the format now, what you have to just accept is it's not a 72-hole tournament starting at zero. It's a continuation of the first two. Yeah. You right. have basically right. positioned yourself. It's, it, 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 and, and so it's not a regular tournament, and mm-hmm. it's it's a bonus tournament. You, right. And, and look, in, in a way, I give the tour credit for that because they have thought outside the box mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But well, uh, a lot of people I, don't like it. I know that uh, I'm per- personally I'm upset that it's been a few days and they haven't told us who's leading next year's Fed Up Cup points list. I know I'm a little upset <laughs> about that. You're the greatest, Bob. I'm serious. I just I I so appreciate you hanging out with me for a little while every time we talk. You're just the best. Anytime. Happy to do okay. it. Thanks. See ya. Thanks, Matthew. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Commonwealth Credit Union. Welcome back. Joining me now. I mean, 
how how much more excited could I be? Not very much, because I'm joined now by my brother, the incredible, the multi-talented, the amazingly intelligent. You awake? Wake up. Wake up. Oh, hi. Hey, Matt. I'm talking about you. My brother, Mitch Lawrence, joining me now. Hi, Mitchie. (laughs) Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, This is pretty awesome. This whole deal, now you you live in Conway, South Carolina, uh, which abuts Myrtle Beach. How about that? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Uh, And normally, when you join me on the show, we talk about hickories, playing golf with hickories, or some ridiculous golf trip you just took, or how great it is to play golf with your wife, Ava, my sister-in-law, or something like that. Or play golf with you. Oh, thanks, Mitchie. Anyway, (laughs) um, today is going to be a little bit different because there is something going on in Myrtle Beach, and you'll tell us how many years it's been going on, uh, that is absolutely mind-blowing. And it is every year when I see this is going on, and I thought it would be really interesting for you to explain to all our listeners worldwide, by the way, what is going on uh, this week in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? Well, you mentioned me going on trips to great places. Yes. Um, But this week, the world literally comes to Myrtle Beach. (laughs) Uh, This is the, and this is the only place in the world where this could happen. And that's a fact. Um, This is the 39th playing of the World Amateur Handicap Championship. Uh, this year, our great title sponsor is the PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com World Amateur Handicap Championship. Nice. We've had amazing sponsors over those 39 years, title sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say it's the only place, there's a reason. There are, this week, 3,214 players what? who are playing this week in Myrtle Beach. What, wait a minute. Right, um, hold it. Before you go any further, say that again. Yeah. How many? 3,214 players. <laughs> yeah. We've had, it, during the years, uh, I think the high was 5,500 one year. We Holy had. cow. Uh, I mean. Um, yeah, but there's 3,200 plus this year, which is, uh, I think, pretty spectacular. Um. What's what's great about it, too, is in the 39 years, there are now six guys who have played in every one of them. Um, and they are here, here again this year. They haven't missed one of the 39. Six guys, 39 yep. years. They've been to Correct. every one of them. Do we? Where are they from? Are they from Myrtle Beach? They're from, no, no, no. They're from all over. A really, really guy I've gotten to be very close to over the years is one of the six. Paul Giancanelli, his name is. Uh, he's originally from Chicago. He lives in Indiana now. Yeah. Uh, and as all these guys, when you think about it, what happens in the ups and downs of life, that they still all manage to come here for 39 straight events. Unbelievable. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, it's incredible. And they're... They're great guys, and obviously they have a friendship that very few people have Yeah. after all these years. So it's really cool. The way they set it up is there's 12 different divisions, and within each division there are flights. So there's 62 competitive flights at this event, and it's based on your handicap and your age. So it's really fairly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they monitor the handicaps as closely as, any ruling governing body you've ever seen. Uh, they adjust during the tournament if they feel people are, you know, wow. mishandicapped. They've disqualified people for sandbagging. They, yeah. Well, they you really keep it. I was going yeah. to say, you and I have played in enough golf tournaments where we've seen, I know it's shocking, but we've seen people cheat that way with their handicaps. Uh, 
just to win a $5 trophy, as Lee Trevino said. So that's a pretty important part of this. Well, without that, you yeah, don't have a, it's not you know, an event that people want to play. Right. So uh, I'll just keep giving you what, what's great for, um, as a statistic just for the game, uh, 25% of this year's field are first-time players. Wow. So people who decided they wanted to come play, and that's a, that's a big number. Yeah. Uh, and the reason, again, that we, we're the only place that can do it, it's why we're called the seaside golf capital of the world, is because there's 49 golf courses that are going to be used during the week. Wait, wait how many? What? Four, 49. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> and 31 of those 49 are in use every day, all four days of the tournament. Holy cow. And there's no there's no place else, and that's within... Some of them you have to drive to, but it's within a 60-mile range that all those courses exist. Um, all 50 states and 14 foreign countries this year, which is great. And there's always interesting people that come. Two guys from Germany on the border of Switzerland showed up in full uh, oh, lead, you know, leader Lederhosen and, and stuff. stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. it's really it's really fun. Uh, there's all kinds of exhibitors. There's, you know, there's 45 different exhibitors at the world. The world at night, you play around during the day. Mm-hmm. And at night at the convention center in Myrtle Beach, there's, it's called the world's largest 19 hole for a good reason. Yes. The entire convention center, two huge rooms are taken up by vendors and exhibits and contests and, uh, one side is a ballroom with great bands, and uh, as part of their entry fee, you get four days of golf, and every night at the world's largest 19 hole, you get free alcohol. Oh, oh. And, oh, oh. and food. So uh, it tends to get a little interesting. It starts at 6 every night, and by 7 o'clock, it starts to get pretty interesting. Because <laughs> um, a few of the people there, yeah. I don't have actual numbers. Yeah. Uh, tend to tend to enjoy the free alcohol part of the night. That's shocking to me. Yeah, uh, I know golfers doing that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, but but the whole thing is great. And just a quick note that I don't know if you even know this, but uh, Ava and my our best friends in Myrtle Beach, Paul Himmel's back and his wife Judy. Mm-hmm. Paul, uh, about forty years ago, Paul and his friend Marvin Armstorff, who was working at Golf Digest at the time. And Paul was here in Myrtle Beach and uh, involved in the golf world. And the two of them were sitting down one night at a bar, and they were talking about how can we get more golfers to Myrtle Beach, uh, you know, during the summer, which is not the high season, the spring and the fall are. Right. And on a napkin, they wrote down an idea for an amateur handicap championship. This is Paul. Matt, what? My friend Paul. Yeah. So the first year, I think, at least the first year and maybe the first few, they started the World Am, Marvin and Paul, with workers from Paul's On the Green magazine, his wife Judy, uh, Gloria, there's a bunch of them, yeah. out of the back end of a station wagon. <laughs> that was that was the first year of the World Am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. And how many, how many people, do you know how many people played that first year? No, and I was waiting to hear back from Scott Tomasello, who runs the event, because yeah. that question occurred to me. But it wasn't a lot. It was probably a couple hundred. I yeah, think. well, which was still a pretty good number. But Yeah, yeah. And but they were doing everything, all the, right. you know, they put together little tea pa- bags and right. little bottles of water and whatever. Yeah. Um, and over the years, it obviously started growing, and Marvin, when he was at Golf Digest, had a, had a lot to do with that because he started promoting it mm-hmm. uh, in Golf Digest. Right, there and you for go. For years, they were a title sponsor, and that's kind of how it grew, but that's an interesting piece of trivia, I think. Yeah, no, that's awesome because I know Paul. Yeah. Now, uh, all right, there's still some more. Well, let's let's finish up with the golf tournament, and then I'll talk about something else. Okay. For 15 years, you have told me about you were the MC at that world's largest 19th hole for about Correct. 15 years. And Charlie Reimer yeah. does it now? Yeah, Charlie, actually, Charlie and Chantel McCabe are doing it uh-huh. this year. Uh, the last 
few years, Charlie and Damon Hack did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it for, like I said, probably 15 years, I would think, and yeah. they had different people before me. Uh, but it was always, you know, it was always an amazing time. I loved doing it and got to have great guests over the years. You know, people that came up, um, David Faraday and John Daly, Roger Clemens, a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, people like that would show up and play in it. And it's a, it's a great event. There's all kind, like I said, there's, uh, instruction on the main stage. We have great teachers down here. Yeah. And, you know, just interesting, really interesting nights. Right. At the World Lamb. So, and they have a couple of my favorite things. They have a long putt, which is a 60 foot putt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can win $25,000 at the end of the week. You qualify by making the putt during the week and then, yeah. you know, however many people make it come back. Right. Uh, and one of the years, this was probably six or eight years ago, I was emceeing, uh, they had a putt like that. And they had, they were giving away a condo in Myrtle Beach. Oh, my Lord. As the pri- the grand prize. Yeah. <laughs> and I was emceeing it, and this guy comes up, hits the putt, and it's a crazy putt. It breaks. It's 60 feet long, right. uh, artificial mountain. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes up and makes the putt and starts jumping around like they had just given him $10 million. Well, a condo in and Myrtle Beach ain't bad. <laughs> but it turns out that the guy was a volunteer firefighter from Detroit. Oh my lord! Yeah. Oh. So the the it was great. It was really yeah. one of those things that you never forget. <laughs> so there's that kind of stuff too. They have those kinds of contests, right? It's now just, it's a lot of fun. Now yeah. there's something else that goes on. I think every night during this uh, the evening uh, things going on there in the convention. Center. Correct. And that, that would be, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not because I've seen the videos, there is a pool table set up there. Is that correct? Yep. And yes, it is. What goes on? What could possibly be happening at that pool table? Well, it seems like there's an inordinate number of mostly guys <laughs> who believe that just because they're going to play against a woman, yeah, that, and they've usually had a few drinks, yeah. That they have some shot of beating said woman, who happens to be the fifth woman inducted into the Billiard Congress Hall of Fame, (laughs) Uh, you know, multiple-time world U.S. Open champion, uh, the one and only striking Viking, Ava Lawrence. Who happens to be your wife. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's that, too. Okay. Well, but first and foremost, the other stuff. Yeah. So uh, she's been doing it for, we tried to figure it out, 10 or 11 years by our account. And that would be hundreds and hundreds of people getting their complete butt kicked, <laughs> um, you know. And she's got a mic, and oh. as you know from having been around her and played golf with her, there is no better trash talker than my wife. Correct. Even on I even when I call you, yeah, she's in yes. the background talking crap to me. Correct. Yeah. And well, what's great with on a seri- more serious note, what's really great about this. There's so many people who have been coming year after year after year, and all of them come back and play against her because they have such a great time. Right. There's the same people. There's a lot of new people who play her. Yeah. But, but there, the same ones keep coming back. and There is nobody you know, better than her at this. And we've also seen, I've seen at tournaments, guys who think they can beat her just because she's a woman. I mean, oh, yeah. I've seen it and oh. with some people that I don't even want to mention his name, Fred Williamson. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and there's nothing better than seeing her kick that person's ass. Nothing. No, I know. So, And what's great is it's all, there's a, they pay to player and then that goes to charity. And every right. year, it's really, a, uh, as you can imagine, it's a fairly substantial amount. Yeah. So it's, it's really a great part of the 19th hole and, as I said, right. people really love it. So. All right. Before I let you go, now, this the numbers that you've brought up throughout this whole conversation are staggering. Staggering. 3,200-plus people this year. One year, 5,500. 39 years. How many golf courses? 40? 
nine or well, something. Well, this year, this year, forty nine. Yeah, you know, it kind of changes every right. year based on the number right. of players. Okay, we have all those humongous, which is a good word, number of things going on in that entire time, as far as I know. You are the only player to play in that conglomeration of people on golf courses with hickories. Is that correct? Uh, that would be correct. Well, you know, as so, as you're my would say the only person crazy enough. Well, you yeah, but uh, I'll hickory. say this before I let you go. You're my older brother, and I have always my whole life had tremendous respect for you, even though a lot of times I didn't show it. But that, to me, is, I mean, maybe other than marrying <laughs> Ava, is your most outstanding factoid about life. Well, it was, it was pretty special. Yeah, okay. And I All have right. to tell you, I, I, didn't, I never went into it thinking of anything but enjoying it, and I did. Yeah. Uh, the way they work it is, there's four days, there's, there's you know, multiple flights within the divisions. right. right. All those flight winners go to play on the final day. This year it's going to be at the Tom Fazio-designed TPC of Myrtle Beach course. Uh, uh. Um, uh, okay. And it's, uh, I never went into it thinking I was going to wind up there on a Friday, and I didn't. But yeah. I did. I finished fifth in my flight, which I thought was pretty That's Unbelievable. Strong. Wow. Yeah. All right. Like I said, my respect for you is boundless now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks well, for. Let, let me make sure I appreciate it, but let me make sure that your listeners uh, start thinking about this in the next few months. Okay, because when it uh, comes time to register, I got to tell you, for the money that you pay, yeah, it is so worth it. Oh yeah, get a bunch of friends together and do it. Yes, I agree. It and really we'll talk is. more about it. All right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you're a great, All right, great human being. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See ya. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Gearheads of Nicholasville. Joining me now, as we continue to talk about this because, well, the real golf is over for a while, uh, is my buddy Dan Hauser and his dog. That was right, right, literally right as you perfect came back timing. From the commercial, they start, they start freaking out at something. Go figure, right? No, it's perfect timing, and we love that always <laughs> more than anything. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Hauser Golf, H A U S E R. Hi, Dan Hauser. So Paradise City, that would be Boston this week, right? Because we got the Live Golf Tour there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right away, uh, this this conversation has taken a turn I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's the city we were talking about, Boston, Paradise City. Meanwhile, they keep talking about this event in Boston. It's not in Boston. No, not I mean, anywhere near Boston. That's the best part. I know. I went to school there, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Boston. It's not well. That's like the Chicago. That's like the Chicago event. It's nowhere near actual Chicago, right? But they call it a Chicago event. So right. you know, whatever. Well, listen, he, listen. Greg Norman's not the greatest at geography. What can we say? Or a lot of other things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we well, can say yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Here's where we'll start. Weeks ago, uh, we had. I know I did because I have an inside source with Live Golf about Cam Smith and this one and that one. Uh, are leaving, and they've already signed, and it's going to be after the FedEx Cup ends and all that. So the FedEx Cup ends, and we'll get to the Tour Championship in a minute. And sure enough, a list of names is released of the guys who are, in fact, leaving the PGA Tour and joining the Live Golf Crap, as I love to call it. There are two guys that have left the PGA Tour, that I enjoy watching play. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Two of them, Cam Smith and Joaquin Neiman. And I think both of them, they're obviously young, really talented. Boy, somebody is very upset that Cam Smith has left the PGA. She she might be more more upset about it than than any of us combined at this point. Wow. You said you, she heard the name Cam Smith, and all of a sudden I mean, you saw Holy the reaction. Cow. So. 
Yeah. I apologize. I Tough times over here. Uh, but <laughs> but um, I don't care. As I've said about all of this, I I didn't care before they left, and I don't care that they left. Uh, I'm I am not going to watch a second of it ever. And I I just think those two guys in particular have made a huge mistake, huge mistake in terms of leaving the PGA Tour with everything that's been announced is coming for the PGA Tour. Oh, absolutely. And and I think Cam Smith, I feel like we've known about basically since his press conference after he won the Open where he was, you know, t- took those pages out of the Brooks Kepka right. play, uh, press conference playbook. But I think what's more interesting isn't the names that went, because for the most part, we knew those names were going. Maybe you had a guy like a Harold Varner who, who you know, might have been a little bit of a surprise because it seemed like uh, he had been talking to Stang and then didn't. But I think what's more surprising are the names that we all assumed and thought were gone that didn't end up going. And you come to find out that in, 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 in a lot of the cases, it's because of that meeting with Tiger and mm-hmm. what the PGA Tour has now agreed to do. Specifically, Hideki Matsuyama yes. is by far the biggest name out of this whole thing, and it's because he didn't go. You get Hideki, I don't want to say it's game over, but you get Hideki, that's, that's a big, big problem for the PGA Tour. And, and it, it, you know, rumor has it, you know, they offered him upwards of, you know, $250, $300 million that he turned down, and it would appear that he turned it down essentially after that meeting with Tiger, with Tiger and Rory mm-hmm. when he was in that players-only meeting. Um, Cam Young, we thought, was another one that was basically yes. on his way out the door. He's another one that basically stuck around and said, you know what, I, I thought about it long and hard, but with what the tour is doing right now, I can cement my legacy here and still make more money. So, you know, for, I guess you could say, all the, you know, all the, all the junk and all the, that we've given the tour so far and, and Monaghan and about how they basically just pretended it didn't exist uh, or it hadn't existed up to this point as far as live and we're just pretending that it wasn't a real threat. You know, this move that they've made over the last few weeks has essentially saved them some of the, uh, some really big names. Yeah, we have guys that are gone now, but there are big names who were essentially on their way out the door who did a 180 and are now sticking around, for the, at least for the time being. I mean, we can't say never, you know, but for the time being, a lot of these guys now who we thought were gone are sticking around. Right, uh, and I agree. I That source of mine inside Liv, Matsuyama was gone. I mean, he was one of the ones that I heard about weeks ago. Uh, and Cam Young, see, this it's a great decision for him. I mean, this is a guy that's going to be the rookie of the year on the PGA Tour, had a phenomenal year, and now gets to have both things. He's going to be able to make a ton of money and still get legacy things and maybe majors and all those things. So it's I think it's great that he's staying, obviously, Matsuyama, they would have started to have all kinds of events in Japan and things. I think it's huge, as you said, that Matsuyama stayed. Yeah, the Matsuyama one, I think, was the biggest because there were talks that there was going to be, he was going to be given his own team and it was going to be basically a Japanese national yeah. team within Live and sponsorship opportunities. And Sirixson was going to buy in on it and this company was going to, I mean, there were, I mean, you, you do the math on this. It, 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 it was potentially in the, in the billions when everything was said and done that he might have just turned down and, and to have a name like that. And I know that, we, you know, we, we focus mostly on these younger guys, and a lot of the older guys are the ones going, but you look at an older guy who, we, another one that we thought was basically had one foot out the door and is now staying around for the time being, Adam Scott. So there's yes. another one that, you know, and, and that's a legacy name. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not involved, you know, I mean, week in and week out, he's not going to be at the top of the leaderboard, but you talk about these legacy names that Liv has gone after up to this point of, of older guys who, who carry that name recognition. Uh, we everyone had assumed Adam Scott was out the door too, and now he's sticking around as well. Well, and that's a huge one to me because he's Australian, and you would have thought his. I, I had no idea of his relationship with the other Australian, Greg Norman, uh, but Cam Smith. That's a team you thought. Oh, the Australian team, Cam Mark Smith, Leishman, and absolutely, Mark yeah. Leishman, and Adam Scott, and blah blah. So I think that you're right that Adam Scott staying is a big one, and ultimately, that's a, he stayed. A he's got a lot of money already, and now will, can continue to make money, uh, and still, you know, play in the majors and all those things. 
Here's you, would a, ha- you would have to you would have to think too that he's now with all these other defections. You'd have to think he's on the very very short list of getting a uh, international team president's cup captaincy sooner rather than later now too because realistically. Yeah. Who else is left? Well, you and I have, I don't know about you, but I was contacted to play for the international team. (laughs) uh, I'm still waiting on that call, but it it could come any day now with all the guys they lost today. So I'm sure I'll be getting that call any day now. They heard that I I was an actor and I was good with accents, so they're going to tell me what country I'm supposed to be from, (laughs) and I'll be able to go play. I actually feel bad for Trevor Immelman, who's the President's Cup captain, because, I mean, Lord knows who's going to be playing on that team. I, you look at that list now, it is just, you basically have Hideki, and then it's just it's yeah, brutal. You know, <laughs> I actually, somebody had a great thought that I read about yesterday, and I wish I remember who it was. I'll see if I can find it later. Is that they should right now change the makeup of the President's Cup and invite, say, six women to be on each of the teams Change the format to however you want to do it, that it because it means nothing now. But golf, golf fans, golf fans have been begging and pleading and calling for mixed team events for how many right. years now? Correct. I mean, it, yeah, it, the, the President's Cup doesn't have a legacy like the Ryder Cup does. So yeah, if you woke up, if, if we woke up tomorrow and it was announced that the President's Cup was going to become a mixed team event, yes. First off, you wouldn't have anybody upset about it. If anything, you would have. A, a ton of golf fans who would be over the moon oh, yeah. about it, who would then and it would then become appointment viewing, right, right. On uh, it, 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 it would become appointment viewing at a part of the sports calendar where it's football or nothing. People would actually probably stop. Well, not everyone, but golf fans would probably turn off football for at least a couple hours uh, on you know over that over that three yeah. over those three days to watch some mixed team uh, play, right, or record it and watch it, or record you it, know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah. It would uh, get more eyeballs. It would certainly get more eyeballs, that's for sure. It would. Okay. Uh, let's move to what happened over the weekend. Uh, I said on Twitter and on my show that what Rory did winning on Sunday left me in awe of him um, for a couple of reasons. With everything he had going on in the last month, say, with the live stuff and him and Tiger and becoming the clear voice and face of the PGA Tour, other than Tiger, who it'll also be. For him to accomplish what he did on Sunday was staggering to me. And I am absolutely in awe of him as a person. I mean, over the last few weeks, forget just the PGA Tour, he's basically had all of professional golf on his back for the last yeah. you know month or so. Um, um, and then to, to be, uh, you know, five or six shots back going into the round as well. Of course, you know, uh, Scotty Scheffler obviously didn't have the greatest day, but what I found to be the most interesting was when you and I spoke at the start of last week before the tournament started, and we were kind of going down the list of names, mm-hmm. the guys other than Scotty Scheffler who, who had a realistic shot of winning. We didn't really stop or focus much time on Rory. It was just kind of like a throw. Oh, well, Rory's in there. Okay. Yeah. But right. I, we didn't really say, "Oh, yeah, well, I mean, Rory could win this." I mean, we listed off a bunch of names. So, and, and I think, it, and I, I think it's a lot of what you said. I think, in my mind, I just kind of assumed that he's had so much going on that he was just going to hit a wall, and it was just you, he, he right. was just going to come in this week, and he was going to be there, and you know, he would he did some good golf shots, and he had his moments, but I just I couldn't see him with the with the last several weeks he's had of being able to sustain that from a mental side of things and. <laughs> Boy, did he prove me wrong uh, on Sunday. That's all well, he proved all of us wrong, I yeah. think, on, on, to an extent, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's another one of those examples of, uh, you know, if you wrote that in Hollywood, they would come back and say, this isn't believable. You have to do something to make this more believable. Rory winning the Tour Championship with everything going on, you know, that's that's two fairy tales. Yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's what I kept thinking, especially when he took the lead with a couple holes to go. And I was like, man, this is really going to happen, I think. And... Uh, and then even afterwards, we saw, I mean, what kind of human being, a great one, after what happened, he went out of his way to go over to Scotty Scheffler's entire family and congratulate them on the year Scotty had. He even said he felt badly. Yeah. I'll <laughs> say, for, for just congratulating them on season end, he legitimately apologized yeah. for winning. Like, right. Who? How, right. who who apologizes for what? I, and I know it was it was a sincere. I, I don't you know I, I I don't mean to sound like oh my god you apologize for winning. Who does that? But no, I mean 
He literally he went yeah, up and he said, did. listen, you know, he's going to be the player of the year. He deserves, every, he deserves everything he's going to get. I'm almost sorry for winning. And it right. Was, it was pretty funny. It was perfect. And, again, another sign of him. And uh, as with everything else in the world today, especially on Twitter and social media, um, he is the most authentic sports person right now anywhere and anybody that says he's not or is doing it for this or doing it is uh well i don't pay any attention to him anyway so who cares yeah no he's uh he's about as good as it gets these days in the sports world that's for no, no question about it absolutely all right uh so now well we got the president's cup we'll wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks with this and then uh you know, I guess we sit around and wait for the Masters to come. Oh, I <laughs> no, forgot. In, 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 a, in a couple in, in, a, in a couple weeks, we're going to get FedEx Cup updates for the new season. I know, I know. You're, you're super excited about I that. I know. It's so, I was heartbroken when the tournament ended Sunday. Heartbroken because I, that, you know, I would have to I, I know, wait. I know, you were, I know you were counting the hours down until I that was. first tee shot hit <laughs> on that first Thursday of the new season. And I you was. And your first FedEx Cup points up. Yes, I, I was. All right. Thanks, man. All right. That'll do it for another episode of Backspin Golf. Thanks to Bob Harrig, Mitchie, and Dan Hauser uh, for a wonderful time this morning. Thanks to our incredible partners. Every single one of these, by the way, are people that I work with and actually use, and you should too. Commonwealth Credit Union, Edwin Watts, French Lick Resort, Gearheads of Nicholasville, Georgetown Advantage Air, Critter Control, Truly Nolan, Lexington Parks and Rec for our great golf courses, and Maple Leaf Roofing Systems, Wowing Central Kentucky, one roof at a time. People uh, listen to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Good morning, Chris. Best golf podcast anywhere. Stay tuned. It's the Weekend Line with Brad Taylor. We'll be back next week. Have a great week. It's ESPN 92.5 and 1300 AM. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Edwin Watts Golf.